Hello, everyone. It's been a while. Uh, we haven't done an episode of Half Court and Midrange in quite a bit of time, but a lot has gone down in the NBA, specifically uh, the NBA as it relates to New Orleans, since you've last heard from us. Uh, and the biggest news, I think, here uh, was the Anthony Davis trade. He's gone. He's shipped off to Los Angeles. And I am here with Ray joining us from Philadelphia. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Hello, Ray. Before we get started, it looks like a Woj bomb just dropped. What? It, this is a, the first ever live Woj bomb in half court and mid range. The first ever live Woj bomb. Hit me with it. What's so, going on? Brooklyn Nets Joe Harris is requesting a trade. He says relationship between he and Zanon Musa is irreconcilable. He needs to go. <laughs> the Nets have until draft day. Hopefully, they can get him by draft day while everyone still has their picks to give up. How do you feel about this, Court? Uh, good. He needs to get out of that, you know, terrible town of Brooklyn, New York. Yeah, yeah. He wants to. He wants a place where he can grow. He's not pigeonholed as some hip-looking generic guy, which he is. <laughs> I did I did pull up Twitter though before <laughs> before you said anything about Joe Harris I did pull up Twitter just to see what was going on I previously had up other news uh the other news here you know the there's this fake news that Chris Paul wants to get traded maybe that's real maybe that's not it seems like mm. it's fake uh sort of fake maybe there's an element of truth behind it and then other rumors Al Horford is going to leave the Celtics Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, he's going to sign as a free agent elsewhere. Oh, wow. The Celtics are going down. What a shame. Yeah, I know you're it's probably really bad. torn up about that. Yeah, you know, it couldn't happen to a better fan base, you know? <laughs> Just, those Celtics fans, they're so... Yeah, you know, they had such high hopes. Reasonably so. It seemed like everything was going to work out for them. Well, to, and Kyrie decides he doesn't want to stay, and Anthony Davis doesn't want to go there, and for whatever reason, LeBron, uh, LeBron James, and his agency seems to hate Boston. Don't know why that is, and it's all just falling apart. So, well, that ties us back nicely to the Anthony Davis trade. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Because the um, there were many suitors here, and uh, well, were there really that many suitors? One of them was Boston, and the package they offered didn't seem quite as good as the haul that the Pelicans got from the Lakers. Um, yes, yes, this huge haul. It's unclear what other teams were offering, but um, the reporting seems to be that nobody else offered a really great package, but ultimately the Pelicans agreed to trade Anthony Davis to the Lakers for a, a King's ransom of young players and draft assets. Um, is King's Ransom so King's Ransom is kind of a weird phrase to me in the context of the NBA because it sounds if it was like a King's Ransom that would imply that they like got a really bad return on it based on the Sacramento Kings uh, general mm-hmm. trade oh, see, I was thinking like LeBron James's Ransom oh I know? see yeah 
Like, and he kind of, you know, you could say, did did LeBron have a ransom? So he wanted this to happen. It had he, to happen. Yeah. I think in his, wait, was it, is he receiving the ransom or is he giving the ransom? This is good radio right here. A king's ransom? Uh, I think the king is giving the ransom. Yeah, so he, right. So King James, LeBron James, a king's, okay, so the king. Hmm. Not the Sacramento Kings, once again, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> we are not talking about them, but we are talking about King's Ransom and how it yeah. applies to LeBron yeah. James and his okay. Los Angeles yeah. Lakers. No, I think this makes sense because the, the probably King's Ransom means like the king is very wealthy. And so someone, um, you know, takes something from him and holds uh, him ransom. And because he's so wealthy, he can give a King's Ransom. Yes, the king is the one who is kidnapped, and then it is the ransom is demanded for the return of the kidnapped or captured king. So in this case, maybe the king is actually Anthony Davis, and the ransom is being applied to return him, not actually return him, but just move him away from uh, the musty-ass city of New Orleans. to the much drier climes of Southern California. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So this King's Ransom consisted of Lonzo Ball, um, Brandon Ingram, and Josh Hart, the first two being high draft picks with upside, but not totally realized, not very realized at this point. Um, And Josh Hart, who is a solid young player on a cheap contract. And in addition to that, they got the Lakers' number four pick in this draft that is coming up next week. And the Lakers, this is where it gets kind of hard. They get the Lakers pick in 2021 if it is the first through eighth pick. If not, they get whatever their pick is in 2022. So reverse protected. Reverse protected. which uh, we'll get to in a, well, yeah, so reverse protect it. Um, usually the protections benefit the team that is giving up the pick. The fact that this is a reverse protected pick means the opposite. It is only conveying to the Pelicans if it is a very good pick. Hmm. And then... If there is only some way to value those protections. <laughs> too too yeah, bad we don't know. Really... If somebody really ought to do a study on all of this to really quantify how you could, yeah, what each pick in the draft would be worth um, in a trade. And the protections on those picks, yeah. And the protections <laughs> on those picks, right. <laughs> Too bad we don't know anybody that could tell us that. We've asked a lot of people about this and just really... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I bet Charles Anderson could probably think of something, though. You know? Oh, yeah, definitely. After that, uh, maybe yet released um, a biopic about Joe Harris. I feel like he'd have some insight to share on the value of protect pick protection. Man, good. Uh, yeah, good memory. I think by the time we release this podcast, that podcast will have dropped. Uh, <laughs> so everyone will have heard Charles's, uh, you know, movie knowledge. One of our favorite yeah. guests, Charles Anderson. Yes, um yes. so 
they get this pick they get the, this this unprotected or reverse protected pick they also get in addition to the number four pick in 2019 and this reverse protected pick in 2021 what else do they get they get the lakers 20, uh, 2024 pick unprotected if they want it however at some date that is specified surely between the Lakers and the Pelicans, but not publicly available as far as I know. They can say, actually, we don't want that 2020-24 pick. We want the next one. So I assume at some point they can say, we don't think that 2024 pick is going to be that good. We'll get the 2025 one instead. Do you think the date, could the date be like after both of those players have been playing for a while? um, Surely not. I I would guess, I would guess that that, that they'll have the option up until like, I would guess that they would have to decide maybe in January, 2024 or something like that. Mm. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I assume it like the, the choice that they would have a lot of information that would allow them to like make an educated guess on the, whether that, how good that 2024 pick is going to be. Right. I was just thinking after each of them played for like three years, you'd be like, nah, that guy's better. We got to switch it. <laughs> I don't think you can do that because there's lots of rules against that. But yeah, yeah. you got to get creative when you're out there, you know, making these trades, huh? That's right. And David Griffin, the general manager of the of the Pelicans, certainly did. Finally, the last thing that the Pelicans acquired is the right to swap first with the Lakers in 2023. Um. So that is a lot of things, ladies and gentlemen. A um, king's ransom. A king's ransom. A king's um, ransom. And was it the best king's ransom that they were going to get? I believe so. I basically, there's been lots of rumors for the last six months about what types of things they could get for Anthony Davis, um, and oftentimes. It's like a number of things, a number of players or picks that aren't that good, um, or they have some upside. Um, and so you're generally kind of like going for this grab bag. Occasionally people would float, like people would say, would the Sixers give up Ben Simmons? But that was unlikely for a lot of reasons. So short of something like that happening, this is basically just a lot of players or picks that, that either are good and have some value or could become really valuable. Um, right. And to get like basically seven of those things is pretty, is about as much as anybody could expect it. Basically the Lakers more or less gave them almost everything that they could give of value that they were allowed to trade with the one exception being Kyle Kuzma, which people are getting excited about for some reason, which I don't quite understand, but he's fine. He's a fine player, but not I don't think he's that good. Um, so yeah, I don't think they could have gotten anything better. Um, the It's unclear what the Celtics were offering. They're always kind of uh, cryptic, and then they always seem to leak that they were like very close. I think that leak hasn't happened yet. Um, mm. So people were speculating that it was just like Jason Tatum plus something small, like one more first rounder, which just doesn't really compare to 
to what the Pelicans got from the Lakers. So I think this is, uh, I think this is a great deal. What do you think, Court? Yeah, I think so too. Cause especially it seemed like the going back to, um, when he first requested the trade, it was like, Oh, I'm going to go to the Lakers. And then it seems like your leverage is so bad then. And it's just going to be like, Oh, the Lakers give you like Lonzo Paul in a first rounder or something. You know what I mean? Not exactly that, but just like something that doesn't seem here, at least with these like late picks, you're like, Oh man, there's a chance that could be really good. I think there's like a lot of value tied up into the, like the best case scenario for that. So the variance mm-hmm. might the variance might be a little high, but even the floor on this like isn't terrible, uh, given the situation. Um, you know what I mean? So like you got like a pretty good floor, and then you have like a, a you know, kind of like way out there ceiling in that like you have so like a few of these picks could be really nice, you know, if the things just tend to happen to go wrong for the lakers you know or they don't even have to go they don't even have to go like crazy wrong and maybe we'll get into this later but because of the way that the lottery odds are flattened they could just go like kind of wrong for the lakers and then lucky for the pelicans because now i think it's like the you know they can get lucky anytime because they got lucky this time with the first pick yes absolutely they're good at the the pelicans if nothing else they're good at getting lucky they're they good. have now gotten the first pick in the two drafts since LeBron James that had the best prospects in them by far, and Anthony Davis and Zion Williamson. So, um, yeah, that is probably not a, a, a um, probably not a good strategy. Uh, <laughs> Probably not a good strategy, but I think they'll take it for now. Um, but yeah, it is it is crazy to think about how how bad it looked when so when Davis requested the trade at the end of January, they were, I mean, not that good. And besides Davis, they didn't have a lot of super exciting players on the roster. They weren't one of the worst teams, so they didn't seem to have a great shot of getting say the top pick to get Zion Williamson. Like you said, they seem to have very little leverage with the Lakers, who seem to not have, you know, that many good things to trade unless they were willing to basically give up everything. But of course, why would they do that when Anthony Davis said he just wanted to go there anyway? Um, oh yeah, that was the other thing. The Lakers got went up in the draft too, right? Did they? They did. They yeah. Did. So like that gave them more stuff to give the Pelicans. Yes. Yeah. Which. Side note, there's been talk of whether, I think we're going to get into lottery form before, but basically they changed the way the draft lottery works. And so we talked about this before, but the draft lottery is where they get a certain number of ping pong balls and they have a random drawing to see who gets the first four picks now. It used to be the first three. And they flatten the odds so that the worst teams have a smaller percentage chance of getting the top picks and like the middle teams have a higher percent chance of getting top picks thinking that this would solve tanking, which is what my beloved Sixers were doing for a very long time. They were effectively not trying to win, and I supported it, and I still do. Um, And they were saying that this solves tanking. What does it do? It encouraged two teams that could have theoretically been competing for the playoffs, the Lakers and the Pelicans. 
that also happen to have two of the best players in the league um, for different reasons, but ultimately they did not compete toward the end of the year. And one of the ways they didn't compete is by not playing Anthony Davis and LeBron. Shut it all down. In the Pelicans case, it had a lot to do with the trade request, you know, whatever. But the fact is the lottery odds ended up making, giving those teams more incentive to lose games so that they could get into the middle of the pack where now they had a better shot of getting a top pick through the lottery. And guess what? They did. And now the fortunes of their franchises are changed. So in a weird way, this lottery reform was supposed to fix tanking. It just incentivizes tanking for different for different teams and happened to benefit one team, the Lakers, that in theory should not, is a big market team that the NBA is not trying to help with these types of things. Anyhow, that's a side note. For all of the hand-wringing over the lottery and tanking, I think it's kind of hilarious the effect that it had in the first season. So really, the Sixers tanking helped the Pelicans. Yes, exactly. Wow. There's such a good Philly-New Orleans connection, which I would like to consider myself part of. You're welcome, New Orleans. You're welcome, Philly. For I mean, we, we got the worst of the deal by sending you up there. So, you know. Oh. Oh, oh. Yeah, we gotta we gotta cut it with the corny, you know. <laughs> speaking of positive assets, <laughs> speaking of positive assets, um, what are so the so the Pelicans? Actually, real quick, before we do that, I just want to give a shout out to to Gail Benson. Um, oh yeah. Uh, so so, our, many of our New Orleans, New Orleans listeners will be familiar with the the ownership events over the last couple of years, but. Tom Benson passed away. He had owned the Saints and Pelicans. Um, and while he was owning them, the Pelicans were, I, I would say that they didn't like receive a focus, uh, like a particular focus of the organization. Uh, a, a person in the Saints management actually sort of oversaw them and he wasn't really a basketball guy. His name was Mickey Loomis. And so it was just kind of really unclear like what the, overall organizational structure was as it related to the Pelicans. Um, after he passed away, Gail Benson, uh, his wife took over and people were really uncertain. And this, this was a, you know, all of this was kind of happening around when Anthony Davis requested the trade and um, people were uncertain, like what she was going to do and like what her thinking with the Pelicans in general was going to be. Did she even want to keep them in New Orleans? You know, all of these things would it just continue as it was and she has seemed to make like very excellent decisions so far she hired david griffin to run the team who's uh, has a lot of experience um a lot and a lot of success and he um she seems to have empowered him to make these moves and he uh, as we kind of discussed negotiated with the lakers to get a really really good deal um and people going into the trade, people were saying that he's good at negotiating around these pick protections and options and things like that. Um, and so anyhow, shout out to the Pelicans for, um, and Gail Benson for making um, a good hire that seems to be paying dividends immediately. So. Yeah, seem to uh, navigate this 
trade situation pretty well. Um, so the Pelicans now, they've said goodbye to one of the very best players in the league, which is unfortunate for them as far as having, you know, certainly somebody you want on your team. Uh, but they still have some, they got back the King's Ransom, as we've mentioned before. Uh, and they also were very fortunate in winning that number one overall pick in this draft where, uh, you know, excessively hyped and uh, superstar player Zion Williamson, uh, they're going to take him number one overall. So how do you rate all the uh, players that they have, players or potential players that they have on their team? Or rank, rather than yeah, rate? But I, would, I, would, I thought this was an interesting exercise to think about just how generally kind of valuable they are to the team now or how they would be in a trade in the future. And so I thought that the, um, so Zion is definitely the most valuable um, player or draft pick. And then I went with Drew Holiday. Um, and I went with their number four pick in 2019. I think that if in a better draft, that would probably be above Drew Holiday, but I think this draft is not that good. So um, then I have the basically the 2021 or 2022 Lakers pick and the 2024 or 2025 Lakers pick. Then Lonzo Ingram Hart, Christian Wood. He's a former Sixer with a lot of uh, uh, a lot of upside. Who played really well for the Pelicans at the end of the season. A lot of people probably wouldn't put him on this list, but I did. Um, what do you think of that, Court? Um. <laughs> I do remember going to, I went to a few games at the end of the year uh last year and they featured a lot of Christian Wood. Uh <laughs> his name always makes me laugh. <laughs> uh but yeah. <laughs> no comment. No comment. Um so I was glad to see him on the list there. <laughs> I didn't realize he was a former Sixer. Um Yeah. Yeah, he seemed to be uh he he flashed some stuff. Uh <laughs> <laughs> some really good statistics. Um yeah, he he seemed I assume he had like blocks and stuff statistics, defensive good defensive statistics. Is that He had all of he had all of the statistics. Yeah. He was doing all of them. Yeah. Um seemed like an intriguing, you know, pickup or whatever. Um yeah, I think no I I would want to like you know, fight you on the number 4 pick here versus Drew Holiday sort of deal, but I do think Drew Holiday is really good. Um yeah, he's a good player. Um, yeah. Definitely. And what's his so you would know this better than me off the top of your like what's the contract detail on Drew right now? Like when he has I looked this up earlier. I think he has at least three more seasons at like I think a little bit north of twenty five million on average per year. Um so I would say which is definitely a good question. I think the value of all of these like players and assets are closely related to all of that. Um but I think like I think if he was a free agent right now, he would there would be teams offering, you know, the max around thirty million dollars a year. So I think he's, I think, I think that he's a value on that contract. Yes, 
I agree. Yeah. Um, but still somewhat risky and, you know, cause you, with any long-term high money contract, if somebody gets hurt, you know, quickly becomes an albatross, but, right. um, so yeah, I'm looking it up. He has, so yeah, he has three more seasons at basically 26, 26 and 27 million. Gotcha. Um, so yeah. Um, and I will get into this later, but I do think that a lot of teams would be, would be willing to give up some good things to trade for him if, if the Pelicans decided to do that. Uh, certainly, certainly. Um, how do you feel? How do you feel about Lonzo, Ingram, and Hart? What are you? What are your thoughts on those? Um. So Josh Hart, I had not a lot of feelings about. Uh, didn't really follow the Lakers super hard, so I was like, he has the same last name as Kevin Hart. Was kind of my thoughts Wait, on. To, <laughs> he went to Villanova. He went to Villanova, right? Oh, that's that Josh Hart. Yeah, I know Josh Hart. Yeah. 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 Who wait? Who hit that shot though for Villanova? It wasn't oh, him, right? Oh no, that was um Di Vincenzo. No, no, no. Who hit the game winner? Game winner versus UNC. Uh, Villanova. Oh, I, I don't know anything about college basketball. Um. Uh, Chris Jenkins, yeah, Chris Jenkins hit the game winner, but Josh Hart was maybe like, was it a surprise that he left early or something? Hmm. Diva Chinzo, actually, Diva Chinzo was the one who was. It was kind of a surprise that he left early. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Josh yeah. Hart. All right. So now our thoughts on Josh Hart. That's okay. Yeah. Oh no, he he's older than those other guys. Wait, did what? A, yeah, he didn't what win. About Lon- he, he never. What about Lonzo and Ingram? Um, Ingram's been hurt, right? He has been. He has that. He had like blood clots or something. He was diagnosed, or they said he had that thoracic outlet syndrome, which is the same thing that. Um, Markel Fultz potentially had at one point. Oh. I don't really quite understand, but it's something about lifting your arm. But I don't know. I, I, but the people are reporting that uh, Ingram is his health is is looking fine good right now. Yeah, but there's still some mystery around it. Um, people are saying he's a good defender. Is he a good or like could be a good defender? Is that really true? I think at this point he's still a theoretically good defender as someone who is athletic and super long uh-huh. um, and, and kind of projects to be an ideal wing defender. I'm guessing he's like, okay, but he's still super skinny. So anybody like people with like thighs and force can kind of knock, knock him. I'm, I'm not high on Ingram. Yeah. Um, Plus, like, the other bad thing about Ingram is he's a free agent after this season, right? Or a restricted free agent? Yeah. So, like, he's he's going to be, like, he's, like, he's going to be, like, not a good value deal, right? Is kind of the, like, he'll be properly valued, probably. In which case, then you're, like, not getting, you know what I mean? So, that makes sense? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's, that's, so, my, I would, of all of these, people are talking about the Pelicans continuing to wheel and deal. And that I would prioritize, um, I would prioritize 
moving Ingram because of that. Like, I think it's possible that he could actually be a really good player, but I think they'll have to decide within the next year to pay him ostensibly a lot of money. And I just wouldn't want to be the team making that commitment right now. Cause yeah. I think he could, he could be just this kind of inefficient scorer that just isn't really that good, but he like, you know, is a, just continues to be a theoretical player uh, rather than like an actually good player. And somebody's going to pay him because, you know, dudes that are have over seven feet wingspans that can shoot a little bit and create a shot, they get paid. So True. Um, uh, so, yeah, it sounds like we're both down on Ingram. What do you, how do you feel about Lonzo? Um, I don't know, man. I haven't seen, like, I, he's in, like, I really didn't follow the Lakers that much this year, to be honest. So, like, I can't tell what kind of player he is. Like is he yeah. is he a creator? Is he can he is he gonna be able to be efficient in his shots? Like what like who is he? Yeah, I think he's I think at this point still is he's a good defender. He has good size and I think he is a good distributor and he's like a smart canny player. Uh-huh. Um and so I think a lot of people are excited about him teaming up with Zion um, and just like the kind of connection that they're going to have and wild alley-oops and stuff. And I'm, I'm excited about that as well. I think that's going to work. I think for it to really be successful and for them to be a part of a, like a really good team together, I think Lonzo is probably going to have to shoot. Um, he shot 33% from three last year mm. on a decent number of attempts on five attempts per game. And so if he can ratchet that up a couple percentage points, yeah, um, then you're getting into pretty, you know, kind of, yeah. 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 Even like a 36% at five or more attempts per game, then people have to guard you and then it keeps the floor spaced, which is going to be important if Zion can play on offense with the space floor, then he's going to be able to beat most guys or a lot of guys one-on-one. Yeah. Um, so I think I like, I like that fit and I like this as a sort of kind of buy low. Like if Lonzo was, was already shooting 40% from three and um, scoring more efficiently, then this trade would probably look a lot different. So, um. Yes, but he's um, still young. Yeah. Also, Plus, maybe related to the. Oh, I was just gonna yeah. say maybe you get all his brothers to sign with the Pelicans too. <laughs> yeah, related to that, it's my understanding that the that the balls, um, the ball family is gonna move in with the with Owen uh, and his family, <laughs> um, and they're gonna start a reality TV show called Ballin with the Parkers. Oh. Um, and I, for one, am here for it. Um, I think it'll be great. I'm excited for uh, Owen to bake a really fancy cake for LeVar. Um, and to see the delight and surprise of LeVar. And hopefully the support. I'm, I'm imagining 
Uh, go ahead, oh, I was just imagining the Brady Bunch intro with all the like, you know, the, <laughs> the kids like on two different rows. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think this is gonna be, yeah. Or I'm maybe gonna, it'll be like the, the Full House intro. I don't really re- remember how the Full House intro went, but I assume there was sort of it was in the the style of like a lot of people freeze framing and like turning towards the camera. Yes, I'm not gonna lie as I was thinking about um, how to talk about this upcoming reality TV show with the balls and the Parkers, um, I thought through various sitcom uh, analogs and basically did the same exact thing that you just did in your head. Brady Bunch and Full House. Uh, yeah. I was trying to, just, I don't know that many family matters is another one, Yeah, like that, but I don't really remember that one. Um, so Fresh- I about modern family. Um, but I feel like that's a little bit, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's in different houses. So I don't think that really fits. We need one house. Arrested development. Hmm. There we go. (laughs) There we go. Um, (laughs) um, also, can you imagine them getting in a, uh, LeVar and Owen getting in an argument, which I I think would just be one-sided. Um, and then. LeVar challenging him to a one-on-one game. That's what, that's probably my, I think that's like the climax of the show. There's the show that I'm imagining. Yeah. I mean, there's no problem that can't be solved by a one-on-one basketball matchup. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I say. Um, So. Back to the cans. Yeah. They have some other, they have a few, dingers on the uh, books as far as salary goes yeah and i think when we think just generally about like the outlook of the pelicans moving forward we just talked about all of these either good young players or draft picks that could turn into good players or have a lot of trade value and also have their own draft picks um another important part of them just having a really optimistic um future right now is they don't have a lot of guys on their on their team that have bad contracts. Um, they really only have like, two guys you can consider bad contracts: Solomon Hill and that's uh, one more for uh, twenty-two million just this year, and then they expire. So really, as for Pelicans fans, it's exciting. Um, not only you got all this good young stuff, but you can you basically have a blank slate to or acquire more players um, and build a team that makes sense around Zion. Um, so I'm excited for Pelicans fans. I think there's a, a ton of opportunity. Um, what can they do, Ray? That's a good... Well, yeah, let me ask you. So I, I kind of thought about it and I see surely there's an infinite number of paths that they can pursue. But I tried to narrow it down to three. Um, Wow, you really like I, cut it down there. <laughs> that's what we do here. That's what we do here. Um, yeah, that's so, whenever whenever somebody's like, your podcast was long. It was more than an hour. Well, it could have been an infinite. <laughs> it could have been. It could have been an eternal podcast. <laughs> it's like we run every scenario, and then we're like, okay, now we have to do them all over. If Chuck Diallo stays on the team, but if he doesn't stay on the team. 
Yeah, it's like every possible combination of like how much cereal Czech Diallo ate every morning or something <laughs> in a podcast form. Kind of like Borges or something. I don't know. Kafka. This is the hot internet content that people want. Um, uh, all right. Three paths. Three paths. So I think. Door number one. The Pelicans are in the driver's seat in terms of they can take this. They have a exciting exciting young roster they have a whole bunch of stuff um and they can they can keep making changes or they can stay pat but the the main three paths that i that i see are to try to stay competitive actually to try to be as competitive as they can be um right now and so i think the main things that that would involve would be keeping drew holiday using their cap space to sign productive veterans they're going to contribute right away um flip some of the younger guys or picks uh, for veterans that are going to help and then potentially use assets to trade away Solomon Hill for, and then use that cap space to, to pay somebody who's going to be better than Solomon Hill. So mm. that's track one. That's stay competitive. Um, and that would be sacrificing some future flexibility and assets for um, making the best team next year. The second one is I'd say middle, you kind of you're staying competitive, but you're not really sacrificing a lot long-term. You keep Drew Holiday. You keep young players and, and picks. Um, you make some free agent signings, but you try to make sure they're young and lower risk. And you don't waste any, you know, you don't waste any assets to get rid of Solomon Hill, which is what you probably have to do to get rid of him. And then finally, the last option, which I call Tanktastic. Uh, Sam Hinkie inspired, process Sixers inspired. You strip it down. Um, you trade Drew away for whatever you can get. You trade Julius Randle, which I have to check. I'm pretty sure his contract goes on next year, but that, that could be false. He might have the option to leave. Um, you could trade Ingram for the reasons that we kind of discussed before. Um, you shop Hart because I think he's a useful player to teams that are trying to compete now. So maybe you can get something nice for him. Um, you use your salary cap space. Instead of trying to make your team better now, you try to take on other teams' bad salary um, and ask them for picks to do that. Um, because they would be bad next year in this scenario, they'd probably get another high pick. Um, and then they just, Keep making sure that they have flexibility they don't send anybody to long-term contracts that could become bad contracts so those are the three options stay competitive and even sacrifice long-term uh long-term potential for to do that or you kind of stay middle um or you bottom out what do you think court what which which path would you pursue uh i'm gonna say door number two here the middle Maybe this is due to my, you know, sort of like uh, deeply conservative, not politically, but deeply conservative as far as like, uh, oh boy. you know, oh risk. Boy. Yeah. As far as risk uh, goes, you know, I'm a kind of, I'm an index fund kind of guy. You just uh, try, don't try to beat the market. Just, uh, you know, try to incrementally like maximize there. Uh, what I like about this middle option is... You're not using up these future picks that you just got, which like could turn out pretty nice given, you know, the ping pong balls falling the right way. 
Um, but at the same time, uh, you're not uh, incurring the wrath of the commissioner or anything like that by intentionally losing like some teams have done. Um, <laughs> and uh, you also like, there's like a little bit of goodwill here as far as like your players go, like Zion Williamson. It's like, hey, th- we're going to keep this little bit of momentum. We're like, yeah, we might not be that great this year. We might be a little more like middle of the road, low end of that. But like we have this sort of like steady growth that we're going to go on rather than this like, you know, dip down to like invest in sort of deal. Uh, and also like bringing in the bunch of guys for like, you know, you just have like a lot of turnover when you're bringing in these like bad. Yeah. You're getting picks to like hold on to people's salary for them or whatever. Oh. And so my last point on this is like, even if you're tanking, so maybe these new lottery rules have also influenced me to be sort of, uh, you know, want to go away from the tanking side of things here. Oh, wow. Got a little Philly traffic in the background there, huh? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, uh, the, there's still, you aren't as guaranteed that you're going to get those like super high picks if you like are tanking. And you, even if you're like trying and maybe you're out of the playoffs, you still can get that like, you know, la, the lotto roll of the ping pong balls, balls to get up in that top four. So you could both like, you know, start off the seat. Maybe you start off the season kind of good and then things fall off for whatever reason. And so you might like, you know, obviously the odds still are that you like have the lower pick, but yeah, it's my take on it. Keep that, keep that middle road. I think that is decidedly reasonable. And I think, yeah, I think that, is a really solid approach. And I think that is likely what the Pelicans will do. I think for many of the reasons you said, it's not controversial. It's probably, you reduce the risk of alienating players. I like your point about the general, like bottoming out strategy being not as super being not um, beneficial as it was before. Yeah. Um, so I think all of that said, I think they should tank. Obviously. Who, who am I if I am not a supporter of the tank? Um, I think you're putting a lot of value in like winning the championship for them. I think they just need to have like a viable product. Like in my experience talking to fans here, like they just need somebody like even if they like make you know if they made like the second round of the playoffs people would get excited about that not like next year obviously but like i'm thinking like do it kind of like the milwaukee bucks kind of way like slow a little slower on things and the bucks obviously you know they made some missteps along the way there in some ways but um yeah you get your you have your like pos obviously zion williamson hasn't you know we haven't seen him in the league, but like you have your sort of like transcendental talent and then you kind of build through, build slowly around them. Yeah. But yeah, tell me why they should Fair tank point. instead. My pushback, we'll push back to that general community and, and play. Ron, 
Oh, you're cutting out. You, you're you cutting out a little bit. Your your Philly oh, internet is tanking. Me? Yeah. Oh darn it! Can, am I better now? Yeah, you're much better now. Okay, so New Orleanians, I love you. Love your city. Uh, I was proud to be among you for a few years. Um, uh, you guys don't seem to care about basketball that much, and that's okay. That's okay. Corey you talked about them making the second round and being excited about that. I would count that years ago and while i think during the playoffs there's a little excitement there's not like a a build-up or a steady appreciation for the team throughout the year um and so i do think that you know if i was running the pelicans i would aim for that like tipping point of building a really great transcendent team that could try to like really make basketball thing in new Orleans. um because I just, you know, don't think it is that right now, which is okay. And so I think that's part of why I'm, I generally go the tank route because I think that it's how you maximize your odds to get uh, to build a championship team. But what I would say, unlike the Sixers tank that was inevitably going to be a longer process, I actually think the Pelicans could do it in a year or two. Um, and so, you know, I think if they basically do what I said, trade Drew, Ingram, um, you know, shop Hart, um, don't try to be good this year, try to get as many draft assets as they can and keep, you know, basically don't make any future salary commitments unless for whatever reason you have an opportunity to sign a guy to a good value contract. Um, I feel like next year they could just snap as Zion is immediately one of the top 10 or 15 players in the league be like, all right, we're ready to go. Who mm. wants to come play with Zion? One of the best young players in the league. He's going to be here for another six years. Uh, we can sign you and we can sign the other superstar that also wants to play here. And we have all these things to trade if, you know, somebody becomes available in a trade. So that's, so, that's basically my thinking. I also say I'm clearly just pretty much always support the tank. Unless it's totally indefensible. Um, so yeah, that's my that's my two cents. Fair um, enough. I think a counter to that also though is that I don't I don't think next year's draft is actually I think next year's draft is supposed to be too. I know it's kind of a hard a hard thing to speculate on, but I don't think that it's supposed to be bad. That's what I that's what I, I think I heard that. Um, gotcha. So. Talk about great reporting. You, um, you think you heard a rumor somewhere that it's going to be bad. <laughs> I think I heard an unsubstantiated rumor. You heard it here first. Well, what do they got? They got that guy from Carolina. who's going to play for Carolina next year. Yeah. That's it. That's yeah. all I've heard about. The other guy. They got that guy. Oh, and then they have Mamadi Diakite because he came back to UVA. Is there a ball coming up? Maybe is uh Lamelo. Lamelo ball. Leangelo. He's playing in Australia or something like that. I think yeah. he will be. Yeah, he's playing in Lamelo is playing in Australia. Yeah. Uh, um, okay, so right. that's the Pelicans. Did the Lakers get anything good out of this? Well, they got one of the best players in the league, Anthony Davis. Um, they probably had to do it because LeBron is 34 now and he's getting older. He doesn't have 
he does seem to defy lots of uh, common laws of the universe. Um, and he hasn't seemed to age much, but uh, there's continued reason to believe that one of these days he will uh, be worse at basketball. That day has not yet come. But anyhow, there's a rush to get uh, a really good player with him so that they can try to win before he's not that good anymore. So, I mean, ultimately, I think from the Lakers' perspective, it's, they probably had to do what it would take to get Anthony Davis. There probably wasn't a really another viable path to them being a, a championship team. Um, and what they LeBron time team um, by not making it move like this. Uh, however, my main quibble with it, and I think a lot of people have shared this, is that it just seems like they probably could have given up less. I don't really think any other teams were making anything close to this kind of offer. And so if they had a more savvy front office, um, I think that they probably would have saved some things. Um, it actually does make it, basically they can't trade any Trump picks for a very long time, uh, which is one of the ways that really good teams get better during the season. Uh, so they have, they have put themselves in a sense, in a really good position by getting two of the best players in the league on the team. And in another sense, they have basically three playable uh, people on their roster and between 22 and $32 million, depending on some things that are too boring to talk about, uh, to <laughs> fill out the rest of the roster. <laughs> and it's a two contender. Um, yeah, I don't know. What, do you, what do you think about this from the Lakers side court? Yeah, I mean, like, it's going to be like the Warriors were this year, right? Well, sort of different, yeah. but, like, you've got, like, some of the most amazing players in the league, but then, like, if they get hurt, you know, you don't want that to happen, but if they get hurt, then you have to put Jonas Jerebko out there, or, you know, you just put guys out there where you're like, oh, man, that guy shouldn't be playing in the NBA Finals. Um. So, yeah, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. But yeah, like yeah. I do see why they, I mean, they could have waited for a year and then gotten Anthony Davis, like done the free agency thing. But yeah, I don't think they can waste the year of LeBron. Like, because Anthony Davis wanted to go when he was a free agent. And they could have, people are like, oh, you could have waited. You know, it just wouldn't have worked that way. I don't think they had to do it for this year. Yeah, I think you're right. And everybody that's citing recent events, you know, with, they thought they were going to get Paul George, um, and then he got traded to Oklahoma City, and he decided to stay. Oh yeah, you know, and um, you know, so I don't know. I, I get why they've, I get why they, they took the plunge here. I just think, yeah, there's there's kind of these teams like the Lakers and the Knicks that continue to be pretty incompetent. Uh, there was this big. I don't I don't know if you read it actually didn't read most of it, but there's this big hit piece on the Lakers and just how incompetent their front office was and um, even worse than incompetence, like verbal abuse. And um, anyhow, did you, did you read about this or, or read it? No. I mean, all I know is that like magic, like left, like, you know, all of a sudden and yeah, 
it just seemed like a mess. Yeah. Yeah. The reports basically that he was a jerk and uh, to various Lakers employees and like people were kind of walking on eggshells around the organization and just, you know, the other stuff. Like they said that, um, you know how they drafted uh, Mo Wagner? Uh-huh. They drafted Mo Wagner and it was kind of a surprising pick to you know, media and stuff. And apparently they had like their scouting team. Um, like they were prepared to draft some guy out of Villanova, Amari Spellman, maybe. They thought that was going to be the pick. And that was like what they had like worked on or talked about. And then the Lakers front office was just like, nah, we're taking Mo Wagner. Um, and so it's kind of stuff like that where it's yeah. just like, this doesn't seem like a healthy, like well-run organization. And so, um, like we paid you to do all this stuff and you have recommended all this stuff and we're going to do this. And then all of a sudden they're like, no, nah, we're just going to totally throw out all your work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which sounds like not a fun place to work. Um, so all that to say, it doesn't surprise me that when you look at like on the margin um, thing, yeah, they, it's good that they trade it for Anthony Davis. And yeah, it's reasonable that they gave up a lot. Based on the um, but like on the margins, you'd be like, well, if you, if you guys are a little bit smarter, you probably put yourself in a better position to actually compete for titles in the next year um, rather than spending themselves in for error. Um, so we will see, um, I mean, I think what David Griffin is doing here is basically with the things that he's gotten back in the straight, particularly Lakers future drastics, is he, in a sense, is betting that they are not going to do a good job of managing the team, um, and, or, you know, one of these seasons or multiple of these seasons, both AD and LeBron aren't going to be healthy. Um, and that seems like a pretty sound bet to me. So we do need to say congratulations to the Raptors. Uh, they won the championship. They did um, it. They did the thing that everyone wanted to do. I'm happy for them. I'm happy for Canada. How do you feel about Canada? How do I feel about Canada? Uh, yeah. I have only ever been to Toronto. No, that's a lie. I've been to Montreal too. Sorry, French Canada. Um, I apologize to all our French Canadian listeners. Uh, but Toronto, yeah, can Toronto. We call this podcast, can we call this podcast "Sorry French Canada"? Sorry French Canada. Um, yeah, Toronto. Toronto is a cool city. It's a it's a big city. A lot going on. Some cool music stuff going on there. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, I watched a bunch of the finals, and the only other real playoff series that I had watched some of was the Sixers Toronto one. The very end of that. I mean, as a Sixers fan, are you sort of like, man, we were that close? We were, uh, you know, I mean, not that it was the game was tied in Game Seven before Kawhi hit that shot, but you were right there. You were on the cusp of the champions. Yeah, I think mostly, mostly, I'm encouraged that we played the Raptors really well and they ultimately won. Um, maybe they wouldn't have won if Clay and Katie didn't get hurt, but um, they did win. Um, and they're a really, really good team. And the fact that we played them that well, and they just, we gave them trouble. I mean, it makes sense that our, we have a strange, very large team um, with kind of notable strengths and weaknesses. 
just the fact that we just really uh, present unique challenges for them that almost allowed us to beat them, even though Embiid was either kind of hurt or feeling ill a lot of the games. Is you know makes me feel good about the future of the Sixers. Um, there is some part of me that's like, man, maybe we could have won the championship. Wouldn't that have been something? But um, I will share. Actually, I'll share a. a you definitely could have won the championship. You could have won the championship. True, true. It's a it's a probability game. As we all know, championships can just be determined by. You know, balls being tipped out to half court and then thrown back to the guy and, and free throws at the end of games and whatnot. It's all just a, a matter of the ball bouncing the right way, right? That's exactly right. Silly, silly. I will say one thing that it kind of, this kind of made me sad, but when I was watching, I was watching game seven uh, of the Raptors Sixers series with my family. Um, and so I, so I was watching it live. And, you know, we're all nervous, uh, or at least me and my brother were nervous. And the shot, and I was like, sure, they're standing up, and the shot went up. And if y'all haven't watched it, uh, it basically, Kawhi Leonard, uh, there's a couple seconds left, the game's tied. Kawhi Leonard gets the ball, he dribbles to the corner, he shoots it, and I'm watching. And it's a very hard shot, like off of his, out of the hands. It's like that shot probably goes in one out of five times or something like that. Um, it's contested by Joel Embiid, and it hits the rim once. And I'm just like standing there watching it, just like silent, and just freaking bounces what ultimately five times and drops in. And my instead of being like very angry or upset or reacting intensely i just was like extremely quiet and then i quickly was like well you know one out of five times that goes in and that just kind of made me sad you know that's probably not i don't know does that seem sad to you for yeah i was a little excited when i saw it just because it was like a crazy shot you know what i mean when you're like a little more neutrally invested like i didn't i hold no ill will towards the sixers but i also like am not a fan of them like you are so i was just like wow and it was also crazy because just before that jimmy butler had gone and tied the game um with like a pretty good you know like he he you know drove down the court uh and quickly got the two to tie it um so that was like it was an exciting game and i was watching it on my phone and at Shelby's house and I like jumped up and was like wow and then she was like what what happened and I, I was showed her the you know shot going in on the replay uh and she was just like oh <laughs> <laughs> she didn't care at all uh as somebody who she doesn't really care that much about sports um <laughs> so I'm you know one out of five times I don't know it it was it seemed like yeah it was pretty crazy to me and I would feel sad if my team, you know, got, I'd feel a little sad that if my team got beat that way, but I would also be like, they were right, you know, they're right there, their best player, they're, you know, shot the shot over our best player and, and it wasn't like it was, they screwed up or anything. Uh, he just did a, a good basketball thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Definitely Kawhi is a relatively – it's really frustrating to watch him because he's so clinical and efficient in demolishing his competition. But it's also – you know, there's no L- – they're just like, ah, oh, he's just too good. Like, you can't do anything about that. He just is stronger than the other people and really good at shooting and seemingly emotionless and unfazed by anything. And so I don't know. I feel like if you're going to lose, it's much better than losing to a guy that is one, just like, you know, more, you know, uh, wants their, their success or two just seems to get lucky and doesn't seem to deserve, you know, uh, beating you, but I mean, no one deserves to, no one deserves to beat anybody in basketball. It's all luck. Everybody should tie. Everybody. As long as everybody's having fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if long. I was a sideline reporter, I like guess after the after the Warriors lost and Curry was standing there distraught and in a daze, just be like, Stefan, uh, we the point of sports is that everybody has fun. Did you have fun this series? <laughs> That somehow that somehow sounds seems especially brutal. It's one thing to say that if you like (laughs) lose a you know he missed the shot or whatever at the end you know he had that chance. There's a shot where he had you know seventy percent of the time that open three that he had at the end of the game six goes in, and that just didn't fall for him. Uh, So it's like one thing to like sort of mess with somebody after that happens. It's like yeah, that's unlucky by them, but like to say like did we have fun after like you know one of his players busted his knee like it's like no <laughs> no that's not yeah. fun yeah um and yeah and that can't you know yeah i did yeah i didn't mean it with that element of the injury right but more of the more of the yeah just like um, <laughs> applying the did you have fun in this in this event before we get off what are you excited about watching zion next year I am excited. I need this. We're going to go on air with this right now. Should I buy season tickets for $350? Um, so that's 41 games. So that's what, like nine bucks, eight bucks, a 8.3 bucks per game. Although okay. only one bucks game per those bucks per game. Mm. Honestly, it might, that actually probably is a good deal. Um, because I know that while you can generally get tickets for five or ten dollars, um, when LeBron comes, those tickets are oftentimes like a hundred dollars. Right. And LeBron so, and Anthony Davis. Yeah. So if you get and like the war so that would probably pay for itself with just the top teams coming in. Um so that could be a good deal. I think otherwise, if you weren't super excited about seeing those and you were satisfied seeing 10 uh, random games, I think you could probably do that for, uh, you know, $100 or less. Mm. In which case, I would not buy the season ticket. Gotcha. Yeah, I think, I think I'm probably leaning towards like I would only want to see 10-ish games at most. And so, like, it's easier just to have the flexibility, even if it ends up being slightly more, and I don't have to worry about it. But 
Alex Turvey. Alex Turvey uh, was the one who asked about it. I think he's going to get some season tickets. Uh, All right. So I wish him luck. I wish him luck in his endeavor. Um, I'll have to look at when the Sixers are playing, see if I can't stop by and say hello. Grab one of his tickets. (laughs) Grab a ticket. Plus, there's like you know a non-zero chance that they do that promotion thing and upgrade you to the floor seats, like they always show on the uh, jumbotron. Um, yes, I know we're at our time limit. Should we do a, should we do a quick um, undeveloped sportmanteau? Ooh, quick sportmanteau. Yeah, we always do these. Also, we were going to okay. say why Zion Williamson is special, and he is a special player in the NBA, but he didn't win the championship. UVA, Wahoos, let's go. <laughs> also Kyle Guy Kyle Guy is the smallest player uh, at the combine was the smallest player at the combine and uh, Ty Jerome was the least athletic <laughs> so shout out to UVA starting guards uh, DeAndre Hunter though awesome uh, probably won't be the fourth pick overall because it's not uh, for the Lakers anymore but um, he'll be up there um, anyway that was college basketball UVA won it all and also got we I was mentioning some of these things earlier. Got extremely lucky. A lot of things have to go right, especially in a single elimination tournament. Which also reminds me, uh, while we were watching these NBA finals, uh, every time I would be like, "Oh, I'm gonna go watch this game with Biddish." Shelby would be like, "How is it still basketball right now?" <laughs> <laughs> like you're telling me, how these, is it basketball? She's like, you're telling me these teams are still playing. And it's like June, you know, eleventh or whatever it was, June fourteenth. Okay, are you are you ready for your sportmanteau, or do you want me to do you want me to just talk for a minute so you can think of something? Uh, right now, the only sport I have in my mind is playing two roulette tables at once. Uh, <laughs> all right, sports, 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 sports. Go sports, go. Uh, some. What are some? Oh yeah, okay, I got one. I got one. Okay, on the count of three. One. One. Two, three, three. spike ball. Dressage. What did you say? Corsage? <laughs> Dressage. Dressage? That's like horse it's racing? The ho- it's the horse dancing, I think. <laughs> I think that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Horse dancing okay. spike ball. Oh, that's so good. Oh, gosh, that's so good. I don't even know if we need to really develop that. Yeah, I think the listeners can have, if you don't know what spike ball is it's kind of like vo- it's already kind of a sportmanteau in that it's like volleyball combined with a trampoline um but you instead of a net you slam this tiny volleyball into a net that's like a trampoline and there, it's two on two and you spike it into the net a bunch of times so you can imagine people just dancing around on horses trying to like hit this tiny ball into a very small net while their horses trample all over it uh, and then getting but scored on what, I, what I'm imagining is a is just a bunch of bros on the beach with these dancing horses playing spike ball, <laughs> and then, but like there would have to be a rule, of course, that you would like you'd have to make sure that the horse continued to dance. Yes. If the horse stopped dancing and you still got the ball into the net, then you'd lose. And right. So I'm just imagining. Then like arguing over whether or not that's a valid point. I think we lost you a little bit on that one as far as the audio goes, but um. Oh shoot! 
Yeah, it's okay. Oh, sorry. I, the, it's bros on a beach and you got to keep your horse dancing, which uh, in my, that that makes me think, why have real horses? Uh, spike ball is two yeah. on two. Horse costumes fit two people. Boom. True. True. I, I can't say I've ever been on a beach in a horse costume, but I can't say I haven't. I actually definitely can say I have been on a beach in a two-person horse costume. Wasn't, not and I have been on a beach and played spike ball, but I've never been in a two-person horse costume playing spike ball on a beach yeah. or anywhere, Who really. Among us, who Among Us has not trotted into the ocean in a two-person <laughs> horse costume as the sunset on the Alabama shores? Can you answer that question? No, I cannot. If our I listeners do. can answer that question, we invite you to call in next week on our weekly episode of Half Court and Midrange. Thanks everybody for listening. You've been a wonderful audience. Good luck. And well, I can't remember how the rest of this goes. Good night.